All right, welcome once again to Grease the Wheels. Uncle Jimmy's here. He's live at the Rock and Roll Garage, coming to you, the automotive technician and other types of technicians of the world, with a podcast about you and your needs and what's going on in your world. Uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about today, I want to talk to you about communication. And communication is a very touchy subject, especially with people who don't fucking listen. Uh, that's what we're running into. That's what this one is going to be about. Now, as a technician and as a human being, you have an infinite capacity to listen. You have two ears, right? One mouth, two ears, you should listen twice as much as you talk. However, this is a really fun little saying that doesn't mean shit to anybody because nobody is listening. And that's the big problem. From the start, when vehicles or machinery or airplanes or go-karts and lawnmowers, whatever it is, shows up at your place needing repairs or just maintenance, or in the case of airplanes, just an annual inspection, the customer needs to be responsible for communicating with you what they need. And it sounds so simple to say it, especially in English, but customers are, well, it takes all kinds to be customers. There are some that are good at communicating and there's others that, well, just plain suck at it. And you know what I'm talking about, where they'll come in and they'll say, oh, uh, you know, I got a, a creaking noise in the front of my car. And that's all they say. They don't say whether it's coming from the left or the right. Well, they don't say it only happens when it rains. It only happens when they hit a certain speed bump on their road to their house or their apartment when they're going 16.2 miles an hour. They don't tell you any of that shit. But there are other times where they actually do tell you that shit. But they're not talking to you, are they? No. They talk to an advisor or a service writer of some sort or maybe even the service manager or maybe even just the lot kid who's pulling their car around. Did these people go out of their way to tell you what this customer said? Fuck no, they don't. They never do, you know? Service advisors like to take what people say, condense it down into about three fucking words, and write that on their ROs so they can get on with their day or maybe get back to texting their girlfriend or uh, eating a bagel or not doing their job, whatever that entails at that particular point in time. I can't tell you what an enormous problem that is for us as technicians. You're not going to be able to get that through to whoever it is that writes your service because they don't care. It's not their car and they're not fixing it. And you need the information from them. And guess what? They're like, well, I told you what the what the customer said. No, you didn't. You gave me a really short Reader's Digest condensed version of what they fucking said and you left out a whole shitload of details that I fucking need. This is a two-part problem, okay? And it's not like an ASC test where technician A says this and technician B says that. What it is is what the customer said and what they didn't say. And sometimes what they don't say is more important than what they actually did say. And I'm talking about people who come into you and they say, oh, you know, I have a, a creaking noise in the front end of my car and and it happens when it's raining and when I'm turning left or when I'm going 16 miles an hour. But what they failed to tell you is that three months ago, they fucking drove it into a tree and they got it back from the body shop about a week ago. And now whatever problem they're having, they want you to fix it because guess what? The car's under warranty and that should be covered under warranty, right? Yeah, no. And uh, this act, this actually happens and, and it's, it's happened so many times and there's lots of times where it happens you don't even know it's happening. You don't even know what's going on. You don't even know why you're getting this complaint. Even if they were able to convey to the service advisor what really, you know, is going on with the car, they're not going to tell anybody in the world that they fucking drove it into a tree. You know, they're not going to tell them that. And in typical fashion, most customers will be in a state of denial about actually hitting a fucking tree. That's the worst, okay? A lot of times what they'll do too is, uh, and I've seen this many times, I've seen this more times than I care to admit, what they'll do is they'll claim they hit a tree because the car was fucking up. I've had people, and and it seems to happen down here in Texas a lot more than it did back north. I've had people who said, well, the car just accelerated on me and that's why I hit the back of the car in front of me. 
Uh-huh. Okay. Here. I'll uh, tell you what. Pull this finger. It plays music. Okay? Because that's just straight up bullshit. I've had that twice. I've only been here two months. It's been... I've had it twice. Where people have accused the car mechanically of either backing up when it shouldn't or going forward when it shouldn't and then causing an accident. Because, oh, God forbid, it can't be my fault. After all, I was looking right at my phone when it happened. Can't even tell you. It happens a lot. Uh, so one of your, what you're going to find is is that if you can't get the proper communication between the customer and the service advisor and you can't get the proper communication between yourself and the service advisor is you have to start asking the service advisor questions because they're, they're weird like that. They'll write a repair order, put a complaint down on a line, and give you, you know, like half a sentence about what's going on. And then you look at it and then you go up to him and you go, hey, this car, what, what's the deal with this car? And then all of a sudden it's like a fucking soap opera. All my children, days of our lives, the bold and the beautiful. This story gets longer. It gets more detailed. It gets more intricate. It gets better and it becomes information that you need. And you want to just, I'll be, I'll be frank with you. You just want to smack the shit out of this guy. It's like, look, why the didn't you tell me this before? It saved me a lot of time and a lot of energy. Oh, well, I, that's what the customer said, and I wrote it down, but, you know, what? they've always got excuses for not doing their fucking job right. Now, I'm not saying that all service advisors do that, but a majority of them do that. They just don't give you the information you need. You need to communicate with them. The service advisors I have now and the job I work at, they do the same thing. They give you just a, a morsel of information, and then when you talk to them later about it, they all of a sudden know all kinds of other things that weren't on the RO that should have been, but weren't. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll ask them to call the customer and ask them what the fuck they're really talking about there. And they don't. They know what the customer will say because the customer said it once already. They just haven't related to you. So having communication with your service advisor is important. I had service advisors in the past who were okay at it. I had one who was really good at it. I've had others who were just pathetic. It all goes back to the fact that no one goes to school to be a service advisor. Nobody ever learns how to do it right. It's a stopgap employment kind of a thing. I mean, you don't typically see guys who've been service writers for 20, 30 years years it just doesn't happen you you do it for a couple years and then you decide to go back to school and actually do something useful with your life or you commit suicide I don't even know what they do I know a great many service advisors who have moved on they have uh, decided to do something different and it's probably a good thing because they weren't any good at being service advisors Okay, so communication is, uh, let me let me just start again here real quick. I just want to say uh, communication is extraordinarily important for a technician, and that's why it's doubly aggravating when no one knows how to communicate or no one attempts to communicate correctly. One of the things I've asked for at just about every job I've ever been at is uh, access to their Carfax account. Because a lot of times you'll get a car in, and, and this has happened to me so many times I can't even count. A car will come in and it'll have a crazy noise or it'll have some sort of crazy problem, and it's not like a normal problem. It's not a problem that I've seen before. It's a problem that's kind of out of left field. And then I'll look it up on Carfax and find out that the car was wrapped around a tree six months ago, and the customer just got it back about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Now suddenly they're trying to make that problem your problem, which is wrong, okay? What they should do is take it back to the body shop, let them deal with it, and have them fix it, and make a supplement, but uh, they don't want to do that because it's a lot easier to bring it to the dealer. It's a lot easier to have the dealer fix whatever is wrong under warranty, and uh, that's another thing that is not adequately and properly communicated with the customers, and you'd be surprised. We're, we're talking about smart people here. They think that Everything is covered under warranty, the factory warranty, that is, okay? Um, I've had people drive up on curbs and bend all four wheels like pretzels 
and then come in and proclaim, well, it's covered under warranty, isn't it? Yeah, no, not at all. No, you, uh, you know, if a BMW engineer designed that car to find a curb and hit it automatically, which I'm sure they could probably do, it didn't happen. You hit the curb. You are responsible for fixing your bent fucking wheels or putting up with the shitty ride that your car now has and the fact that the tires are, have shifted belts and car rides like a, a fucking panzer, you know. That's not on you. You need to communicate that with your customers. I got to say, that's probably one of the largest problems with communication that service advisors have is that customers think that everything is covered under warranty. And you know what? It's just not. You know, if a windshield gets broken, it's not covered under a manufacturer's warranty. No, can't be. Dents, dings, scratches, that's not covered under a manufacturer warranty. It's not. And you would, you know, maybe if you, if you know, and the thing is, if you're working at an independent and you've worked there all your life, never worked at a dealer, and you think that this sounds ridiculous, it's not. This shit happens every single day all over the United States. Perfectly reasonable people and perfectly unreasonable people for that matter believe that the shit that goes wrong with their car that has nothing to do with the manufacturer believe that it should be covered under warranty anyway. It's ridiculous. That's just a breakdown of communication between the sales department and the customer. And uh, not, nothing you can do about that. Salesmen are very good at telling you things that they think will make you buy the car. And they're not good at explaining stuff to you that might make you not want to buy the car. So, you, you know, you have to deal with that. And then a lot of times, and, and this has happened to me personally, once they do sell you a car and you come in to pick it up, they just toss you the keys and say happy motoring and put a little check mark on their belt for that month. Okay, they don't bother to take 10 seconds to show you how any of this shit in the car works. I guess they figure that you'll just figure it out or that you did the research and you should know, which is uh, just fucking stupid. And uh, those kind of salesmen, I loathe them. I'd like to smash their face into the dashboard and say, what's this button do, jackass? And then when they say, I don't know, smash their fucking face into it again. It really angers me, as you can tell, and I'm trying really hard not to go off on an angry diatribe here, but the communication uh, sometimes is lost, and sometimes it is lost on purpose, read i.e. salesman and the completed sale. Now, a lot of salesmen nowadays are rated and graded with a CSI score on how well they presented the vehicle to the customer and whether or not they showed them the features. So that's kind of come to a halt, although I'm sure there's still some salesmen out there who just tell them whatever they want to hear. And once they got the signature on the sales form that they're going to buy it, it's all over. I don't need to talk to that dick again. It happens. You got to have communication in your building. You got to have communication between your employees. And a lot of times there are a lot of things that hinder that communication. Not the least of which is the indifference to what you're trying to tell them. Hey, I've actually talked to people and seen them stare off into space. And I'm talking about people in management. I had one manager who couldn't be bothered with any of the shit that I was trying to tell him. And he would stare off into space. And it was, it was plainly obvious that he was not getting even a single word of what I was saying. And then when I went to leave that establishment and I told him, I said, you know, I really can't communicate with you at all. He was, he was dumbfounded, which is actually exactly the same look he was giving me when I was trying to talk to him. So uh, he didn't understand it and he took it personally, but he can go fuck himself. He's not going to listen to this anyway because it's not about him, although it actually is. But you need management, you need people in management, you need advisors, you need parts people who listen and 
man, I, I'm telling you, it is so difficult to find people who will actually listen to you. I will freely admit that I'm not the greatest listener in the world. If you're talking to me, well, first off, I don't hear very well, which is one of the pitfalls of being an old guy who's worked around machinery and equipment that makes a lot of fucking noise and also being a fan of the rock band The Who. But uh, I don't hear a lot of things, and sometimes I just nod like I did hear it. But if I, I feel like it's important, I'll ask for it to be repeated. And a lot of times if I ask for it to be repeated, I will actually listen to what is being said. It's probably the most important for a technician to actually listen to the people around him because it, especially if you're talking to another technician, you guys know a lot of shit, all of you. And, and even if you're just in the business for a couple of years, you know things that other technicians don't know. You've learned things, you've done things that they haven't done. And so it's important for you to share that information. And if I'm a technician and I'm a good technician and I'd like to think I am, I'm going to listen to what you're saying because you probably know things I don't know. And I certainly hope that's true because I am short on knowledge at times. And there's there's some systems in some cars where you're not going to be able to understand what's going on. And somebody could come over and point to something and go, oh, I get it. It's happened. I remember uh, the first time we had turbo cars at BMW, the vacuum line set up for these because it was a twin turbo. It looked like advanced calculus. It was like, where does this line go? Where does that line go? Where does this line go? After taking a couple of those dud turbos out and replacing them, it became a lot simpler. So if somebody came in and said, well, I'm not sure these vacuum lines are right, you could just look in there. If you've worked on that type of car several times, you could just look in there and go, oh, yeah, this line's not connected. Or that line's pinched or that line's broke, whatever. You can look at them and go, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be or this is the way it's not supposed to be. Now, the next most important person in the shop that you should have good communication with is a parts guy. You see here again, you're at a loss because as I've talked about before on this podcast, parts guys are paid very little. And so it's really difficult to find somebody who will accept that amount of pay to do that job with the sheer amount of aggravation that comes with it. They're not paying enough for it. I'm convinced. I think that all parts guys, and you can tell them if you want. All parts guys should get a raise because what they've got to do is they've got to interpret what the technician is saying, figure out what he needs, figure out where to get it, how much it's going to cost, and when they can get it. And for some reason, management, who is, as far as I'm concerned, just sitting around with their thumbs up their ass, doesn't do any of this kind of shit whatsoever. They have no idea. But the parts guy is an essential linchpin in the repair process because of those things that I just stated. They need to find out what you need, where to get it, when they're going to get it, how much it costs. If you have a guy that you're paying nine fucking dollars an hour or two and he drops the ball at any one of those stages what the fuck he's, he doesn't care he doesn't give a shit he's making nine dollars an hour for christ's sakes probably got writer's cramp from filling out applications for other jobs that pay more which is every job in the world if you are a service manager or a shop owner and you're listening to this right now and you have parts guys and you pay them literally out of the change rolling around in the ashtray of your car, stop. Give these guys a somewhat livable wage. They'll respond and be better at their job. If they don't, then fucking get rid of them. Pay a livable wage and expect a certain level of performance. And when you don't get it, you certainly can send them on their way. But I think that it's one of those situations where it's very important to have good parts help because it, it's so important to what you're trying to do. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, you could take some of the management right out of the equation in a shop situation and the shop will actually run better. I think at in about, let me see how many shops I've worked in, probably about five or six and listen, I'm I apologize. I'm not trying to make this podcast about me, but I'm trying to illustrate a point here. I've had, I've worked in probably one, two, three, five. Let's just say I've worked in 10 shops in some capacity or another. In those 10 shops, there was about three service managers who were worth what they're being paid. The rest of them, if they were to die or not show up for work 
for like months, no one would really notice because what they do is so intangible. It's just not something that is necessary. Everybody else knows what their job is within reason. Everybody else knows how to do it. They knows how they should do it. They have a level to which they perform their job and uh, they really require nothing from the service manager. And it pisses me off that the service manager will make a large six-figure salary when you break your balls every day to make, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand a year. It's irritating. As far as communicating with a service manager, you know, if you've got a good one, and I have a really good one now, somebody who listens, somebody who is involved, somebody who's there, somebody who is taking responsibility for what they do and is uh, making other people responsible for what they do. I think you need to show them some appreciation, show them some love, let them know that, uh, you know, you're there for them and that you'll help them out. And uh, if you can communicate with them, man, you got a good one because uh, I've had a lot that you can't, you could say things to them and it's just like, yeah, whatever. And it gets worse. A lot of times you go up the chain, you know, you're talking to a sales manager maybe or a general manager or maybe even the owner and they're just like... I don't hear a fucking thing you say. Work on your communication skills. Have your advisors work on their communication skills. Hold them accountable for the things that they hear. Hold them accountable for the things that they write on your ROs. Hold them accountable for the things that you hear. And when you are communicating, everybody has a different agenda. Customer comes in and they drop their car off. It's either they either need maintenance or repair or sometimes both. And they just want their car back all maintained, cleaned, washed, everything working right. Finding out maybe about what's not right, what is right and if they need future repairs, whatever. That's what they want. That's what their goal is. And that's what really pretty much every customer's goal is. And as a technician, you should keep that in the back of your mind. This is why I, and I don't see anybody else in my shop ever doing this, but this is why I check the tire pressures in everyone's cars. I know what a lot of you are saying to yourself, yeah, fuck that. I don't get paid to check tire pressures. And you're right, I get it. You're, you're, you're absolutely 100% correct. You don't get paid to do it. But I implore you to at least try to do it. I did one on Friday before. I, this is a Sunday I'm doing this podcast. I'm trying to watch the football. I do it and it's distracting the shit out of me. But I worked on a car on Friday. It was a waiter and the tire pressure light was blazing. And when I went around to check the tire pressures, there was 20 PSI in every tire. So I filled them up to where they were supposed to be, topped them off, put the caps back on, took it for a ride, got the tire pressure monitor reset. And I believe that the customer noticed that their car rode better. I know for a fact that it was a lot safer, okay? Because when your tire pressures are that low, it's just not safe. Try to think about what your customer wants. And then when you have to deal with your service advisor, he has an agenda as well. And this is where you run into trouble because sometimes a service advisor just wants to get a car out as fast as he can because he either can't sell that customer anything or that customer's not going to buy anything or that customer gives him a hard time or they don't like them for whatever reason. And, and I mean, there's a million to one reasons why they might not like a customer. It's too bad. It's part of the job. Suck it up, buttercup. Get over it, okay? A lot of times their agenda is different. And one of the other things that uh, service advisors do, and we talked about it before, is they like to diagnose from the chair. They like to say, oh, we see that all the time. And it only takes 15 minutes to fix that. And that's what it's gonna take to fix this car. Even though this guy, didn't even get out of his seat to go look at the car. He doesn't even know what the real problem is. He just thinks that it resembles some problem that somebody else had that was easy to fix, which it's not always going to be. You run into that, and the communication's gonna break down when you're saying things to your service advisor that he doesn't wanna hear. Say a car comes in, and you know the 15 cars that came in before it had a check engine light and it was a loose gas cap. Okay, so the 16th car that comes in with a check engine light needs a gas cap, according to the service advisor. Well, guess what? No. 
it fucking doesn't. It needs a cam position sensor or a crankshaft sensor or maybe a, a diagnostic leak module for the fuel tank or, or, or any one of really literally three to five thousand fucking things that can make the check engine light come on. But since you told this person it's going to be a gas cap and they're waiting in the waiting room and going, how much is a gas cap? It's 20 bucks and it's 40 bucks to put it on and then you're going to be down the road in, in less than 10 minutes. And now you have to take a blazing hot engine and go in and diagnose why a cam position sensor or a crank position sensor or a knock sensor or some fucking thing that's hot as fuck on that car isn't freaking working. And the advisor will come out and they do this, to, they've done this to me a thousand times. They go, well, what's wrong with it? Isn't it just a gas cap? No, genius, it's not. But thanks. Thanks for, you know, going there already. Thanks for, you know, telling the customer what's wrong with the car already, jackass. That's, that's one of the things you run into. And then there's also the agenda of the technician. Because I'll tell you what, and I used to get them all the time, I would get waiters at 4.30, 5 o'clock, and even 5.30. And when somebody's waiting, that means their car has to be done that day. Because a lot of times waiters don't come in with their sleeping bag and a pre-made dinner and or breakfast and a toothbrush so they can spend the fucking night. No, they want their car fixed that night so they can get it back that night. Now I get it, people work, they get out of work, they come to the repair shop, they want their car fixed like in five minutes and then they want to go home. I understand that car repair is one of those things that nobody has any idea ever how long it should take. Nobody has any idea how long it should take, including me, okay? unless I know what's wrong with it. And even when I know what's wrong with it, I still want, might not know how long it takes to repair it. Because like I said, when you're working in the north, screws, nuts, and bolts decide to fuse themselves into one unit and they're never coming apart again. And you have to break out, you have to break out the torch and the easy outs and the turbo sockets and whatever you guys call those things. And then you have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And that's never easy and it takes a lot of time. And if you got a guy sitting in a waiting room go, looking at his watch every 15 minutes going, you know, where's my car? Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Service Advisor, for A, writing a waiter late in the day and B, telling him it was going to be easy when it's not. So, you know, if you've got advisors that do this, what you need to do is have a little chat with them. And if they're not listening to you or if they just ignore you, then maybe you need to poke them in the eye with something sharp. There's going to be advisors out there who are just going to murder you over things like that. It's just the way it happens. Now, as a technician, it's up to you, as I said earlier, to make sure that you communicate effectively, especially with parts individuals. It's extremely important to let them know what you need and when you need it and give them the information they need. The brand I work for, they will have part numbers on all of the parts. They'll have date codes on them too, by the way, it's in a whole nother podcast, but they'll have part numbers on them. And sometimes they need those and they need those because when they look them up, the parts been superseded 30 freaking times, which is a clue. If you know how to read, that's a clue. When you get a part and it's been changed 30 times in the last five years, that means they've been having problems with it because they don't change parts that work perfectly. That's another way of communicating. That's another way that the manufacturer communicates with you without saying a word. The other thing is if you work at a place where you stock parts and you need a part and you've never done that repair before, but they stock the part, guess what? Somebody else has done that repair before. So gentlemen, part of the responsibility of communicating with 
people that you need to communicate with, it falls on you. You need to be a good listener. You need to be also succinct in the things that you say when you're conveying an idea or information. You need to make sure that you're understood. It's really easy for people to nod their head and say, uh-huh, I get it. Uh-huh, I get it. Uh-huh, I get it. And they don't. But let me know if you have good communication going on in the cl- in the uh, shops that you're at. Uh, let me know if you're good at communicating with your wives, your girlfriends, or your brothers and sisters, maybe your friends. I want to know if you got some tricks. on This one I'm not very good at. I talk a lot. As you can as you can tell by the podcast, I talk a real lot. A lot of times, I'm saying shit that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And uh, one of the things that you'll hear is that people just go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And try not to be like me and be too talkative. But make sure you get your point across. Make sure that people understand you. Make sure that people listen to you. Make sure that you listen to people. Make sure you request the extra information you may need if. Uh, you're trying to repair something, if you're trying to go forward with a repair, if you're trying to go forward with uh, an estimate, make sure that you're understood, okay? Let me know how it goes for you. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. You know, all the usual suspects on the internet. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your tips and tricks. I'd love to hear maybe some of your horror stories about how people didn't listen to you. Uh, Go ahead and hit me up with those. I'll be glad to uh, relay some of that stuff on my podcast in the future. Listen, that's enough of me. Uh, I've talked for about an hour and a half already here, so I hope that Eric can edit out the garbage and give you the good stuff. This is your Uncle Jimmy signing off. See you.